All right, well, welcome everybody. This is a beautiful Thursday afternoon here. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. Tom Miller, if this is the first time on one of our Thursday afternoon training calls, it's a pleasure to be with you wherever you are, whether you listen to the archive or you're on with us live. I'm going to be as entertaining as I possibly can, entertaining and educating as I possibly can. So if you're on the call live, let us know where you're from. Throw it in the chat box where you're listening from or what's maybe something you want to make sure that you get answered during this time with me. And uh, I'm going to share my experiences and stories of being a charter school board member, a charter school consultant, and uh, a charter school uh, former principal who was an executive director uh, to to a board. And so this is one of my favorite things to talk about is charter school governance because by far it's probably the most under most misunderstood role in all of charter school world is what what role am I in here as a charter school board member or a charter school employee, charter school principal? It's always kind of confusing. Uh, at times to some people if there's not a lack of clarity and what I have learned that is if you do not clarify the role that you are in as a charter school board member if you're not sure what your role is you will most certainly find the role that you believe best suits you and that does not necessarily uh, relate to the most successful board. And I'm looking at here uh, people who had applied to come to this training and let's see, about 40% of the responses is this, the role of the board, right? Effective board leadership, what happens in a board meeting, how to steer a group in a different direction without offending. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Absolutely. And tips to answer board member questions. So those will be great. So the resources that I put in the chat box will address some of those. And so during my talk, I will certainly address uh, some of those and then share some of those resources with you and how to best utilize them. So let me start my story here with uh, when I was a so I was a board chair for two years and it was in years three and four of my board member experience. And I'm just finishing year five. So it was interesting the way I came on. If you've been on any of our previous board trainings or if you're part of our, our board leadership academy called Navigate, like I tell that story. That story was my first day on the board. I was, I was board secretary and I didn't know anybody's name. So here I am taking board meeting minutes and not really sure of who's saying what because we really didn't have an orientation plan. But that's another training that I've talked about. So, you know, one of my goals was to make sure that this board got into a better spot, you know, a better, more effective with their structure, more effective with their practices. So I remember when I was elected board chair, I got myself this nice notebook. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to journal every month about my experiences as a board chair. So I went back to that recently. I went back to that notebook to say, what the heck did I write about? So I found, this, uh, I found this entry, and it was from July 12th, I'm sorry, July 27th, 2017. I wrote to myself, you only have 12 meetings to make an impact. Sustain the last chair's work or improve the board. 
So when you think about it, 12 meetings, right? That's really all a board has per year. And some of them don't have that because they don't meet every month, right? Which they don't have to. And they shouldn't meet every month. But you only have 12 meetings. 12 meetings is a short amount of time to really create sustainable change without ruffling feathers, as one of our, you know, one of our folks who signed up asked, like, how do you, how do you steer the board without, without ruffling feathers? And it took me, it took me over a year to even figure out what the board chair's uh, position <laughs> really does. And so I was fortunate enough to have two, two terms as board chair. Uh, I did not want a third, no, no thank you. Um, and I'm still on that board and I'm, I feel like I'm more active now as the governance chair than I was as uh, the board chair. And unlike, unlike my predecessor, you know, his first board meeting, he was the board chair, right? So he didn't have the time to figure it out, right? And everything is figure outable. So these were the 10 questions that I wrote down to best prepare for the June meeting. So here's what I'll do. I'm going to talk about some of these questions. I'm going to talk about what they meant to me, but I'm also going to put it in the context of today, right? If I was board chair today, and if I was writing down these 10 questions, how would I steer them in our current quarantine COVID situation? And then maybe if folks are interested, I'll talk about the process of where I took this board and you know, developed a more effective way to be prepared for the board meetings. So the first question that I wrote to myself was, if I read the last 11 months of board meeting minutes, would I be able to tell that the organization is in a better place, you know, healthier than one year ago, right? So, my first meeting was July 12th, 2017 as board chair. And I was writing myself these uh, questions. If I was about to roll off, like if I read the last 11 board meeting minutes, like could I tell that we're in a better spot? Like how would I know? Right, which makes you really think about everything in order to improve something. It has, you have to be able to measure it. So how are you measuring the success of your board meetings, right? So it doesn't matter what role you're all are on this call, whether you're a teacher, a principal, a board member, a consultant to a board, a strategic partner to a board, like how are you measuring the success of every single meeting? Because think about it, every board member, you know, I was, I'm a full-time employee, not of the school, right? I have my own job, I own my own business. So I'm already coming to the board meeting a little tired, a little fatigued, a little exhausted. You know, a little with other things on my mind. You know, I'm a dad, I'm a parent. And every one of your board members is that, right? So whether you're the board chair here or the principal here who directly reports to the board, you have a responsibility to make sure that your board meetings are really tight, are really purposeful, they're effective. They're not just, they're not just a time to hang out and socialize, right? <laughs> Dialogue is not decision-making. So that was my first question to myself. If I read the last 11 months of board meeting minutes, how would I be able to tell that the organization is in a better place now than where it was a year ago, right, when I started? The second question I wrote down is, did the supermajority of students learn, <laughs> right? 
And how do I know? Like, we won't have EOG scores, right? So most board chairs like roll off and they go into the into the sunset and they may or may not ever have any experiences with the school anymore. So do they really know? Like, were our board meeting practices giving us information to determine or not whether or not our school is performing at all? Like the purpose of school, everybody is to do what? <laughs> Put it in the chat box. Like, what's the purpose of school, right? The purpose of school is that students learn something, right? Or students have a foundation for whether it's, you know, college or career readiness or, you know, advancement of some kind. But the, the thing that I, that I observed least in board meetings is academic discussion, <laughs> right? That actual discussion of whether or not we know that students are learning or, or how well, right? Board governance is about how well how well is our education plan meeting the needs of our children, of our students, right? So that was the second question, like, well, what I know, right? So this is like, I'm drafting in preparation for the June board meeting two years ago, and I'm asking myself these uh, questions. If this was my last ever board meeting, like, would I know whether or not the organization's in a better place? Would I know whether or not students actually are learning at this school? I, I don't know. So you have to ask yourself, what parameters do you have in place to ensure that you know students are learning? Question number three that I wrote to myself was, how can we effectively, or how have we effectively utilized the skill sets of the current board and the incoming board, right? So by this time, you should all have already voted on your next board members. And yes, I understand it's COVID and quarantine, but at this point, you should know who you're either going to appoint to be officers, who's your incoming board members, what skill sets do they have, and those skill sets should directly correlate to the short and long-term goals of the school. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, do we have goals? What are our goals? Where are we going? That's a whole nother problem, right? I highly suggest that you, that you get some board training or someone to come in and help you figure that out. Like what will, because every time I do a board training or board retreat, the first question that I ask is to every board member to write down the answer, what will the parents see five years from today? What will the teachers experience, right? What will the experience be of the school? Where's the school going? And if you don't have an answer to that question, if you don't have your vision plotted out, then it's hard to write goals. And then it's really hard to recruit. What incoming skill sets do, you, do we need to have? So at, at the time when I was taking over as board chair, we were also, we just hired a brand new executive director. And we knew we were in the, in the midst of, you know, we just agreed to buy a building and build a building in downtown Raleigh. So we needed a capital campaign. And we needed, you know, you know we needed someone who could really drive the organization forward. So we, you know, so not only do we find an executive director who had those experiences, but we also, you know, started to recruit board members who had experience in, in fundraising money and uh, development and facility oversight and things, right? So we knew. So our vision drove the recruitment. So I'm asking myself, how are we going to use these people, right? If I'm the board chair again, if I'm reelected <laughs> in year two, how am I going to make sure that we best utilize the skill sets, right? 
let me know that you're hanging in there with me. Yes, this makes sense, or this is helpful, or no, Tom, you're way off, you're way off track. We don't, we don't really care about this. We want it different. If you want something different, write it in the box, and I'll, and I'll get there. So, did our, is our organization in a better spot, right, from a year ago when I started? Did kids learn this year? I don't, like, how do I know? <laughs> and hey, we've got new board members. How are we going to orient them? and make sure that we utilize them effectively. These were the first three things I wanted to make sure that we talked about during our June board agenda. Number four was, how can we strengthen the school's safety plans and processes? Now, this was written years ago, and this should be on the forefront of everybody's mind. Like, what are we doing right now to ensure safety and security of students when they return to a brick and mortar situation? Thanks, Maxine, I appreciate it. <laughs> right, what are we doing to ensure, right? So in, in, in the Google Drive documents that I gave you as a gift, I've got my five-point governance plan, which one of those, you know, and I wrote that a couple months ago, but one of those was to, to create a return to school committee. So if you're part of, you know, some of our other, you know, calls, our uh, principal calls, or, you know, like if you want access to, we've, we've been, pulling all these resources uh, together for, for how do you create a return to school committee and what questions should, should you be asking. And the first thing that I would do as a governing board member, right, when we get to this next meeting is I'm gonna ask like, hey, have we contacted lo the local health department? Do we have a partnership with them? Like, what types of information can we get from the local health department to let us know, like, what should we be doing? What are other schools doing? In fact, uh, today, this afternoon, uh, you know, we've got uh, principals in our, our um, inner circle mastermind group. We're going to be talking to a principal who just opened his school this week in Australia. And it's going to be great, right? So I don't know if he's experiencing the same situations that they are in South Korea where they've had to, had to close some, some schools because of, you know, positive testing. But like to watch the videos was incredible of what's happening over there. So what are we doing? Like how could, what can we do to strengthen the school safety plans and processes? A board member should always be thinking about that because it's a it's a high risk. I mean, you're you know you're in a governance role. How well are our safety plans and policies working? Right? How well is our education plan meeting the needs of our kids? How well is our personnel policies? You know, you know how how are they surviving and thriving in this COVID world? Thanks, Gwen. I appreciate the feedback. Right. So, are we better now? than we were a year ago. And how do I know? Did the super majority of kids learn, like, you know, 90, 95% of kids, did they learn something? Like, how do we know that they learned something? Hey, we've got new talent coming on our board. How are we gonna use them? And is our school safe? And how do we make it safer? Because I know every parent cares about safety. And that's actually one of the number one reasons, if it's not the top reason, that charter schools are chosen by families is because of relations and smallness and community and safety. Yeah, absolutely, Maxine. These uh, questions can be changed slightly to address any team, right? <laughs> really, these 10, are, these 10 are probably pretty good. I should probably use them for other stuff. Yeah, so what, so what can we do to strengthen a school? Okay, so we've talked about so far talent. We've talked about like what we do, you know, getting better. Uh, our health, are we improved? And um, are we more talented now than year before? Question number five I wrote down was, what tangible data do we have to demonstrate that we're closer to reaching the organization's goals? So this goes back to the goals. Like, are we, are we looking at data every single month 
tangible data to demonstrate that we're heading in the right direction. Because if your organization that whether you lead or you're governing or you're part of isn't tracking data, like, what are you doing? Like, you're just kind of floating around. Like, you don't know whether your plans are working. And that's the only way that you know that the plan is working is to test it. Right? You can't just look at it. You got to test it. So what tangible data do we have that demonstrates whether or not we're moving? Right? This kind of goes back to that, you know, first question, would, which if I read the last 11 meetings of, of the minutes, are we better? Can I tell that we're getting better? And the data would tell me. Right, because results don't lie. Now, results don't define us, but they don't lie either. Right? They give us our current reality. Number six that I wrote down was, what end of the year communication should occur to the staff and families from the board? This is always a great question, right? Because I work with boards all the time and we're on this fine line, right? And we don't want to communicate too much to management because it's not really our job. But we, but we are the face of the organization in a sense. You know, we're the oversight, we're the seers. This question's really important to get tackled at the very start of every orientation of a new board member and continue. Like, how do we communicate to management? How do we communicate to parents? What are the protocols and the parameters, right? How do I know whether I'm wearing my parent hat or my board hat at this meeting? You know, if I'm asked to come to some event or be at some event or be at a fundraiser, I always ask the executive director, like, hey, are you inviting me as like board chair or just a parent or, you know, tell me what to do because I need to know. So how I, you know, where I stand and how I communicate and what I do. And sometimes I just said, no, I just, I just would really like to just be here as a parent. I just wanted to enjoy this moment. Can I not come as a board chair? It's just different. Right, so getting clarity in having a conversation about what board engagement is <laughs> in terms of management and in terms of, um, of you know, parents is important, right? And that's for any part of your organization, every stakeholder. You've got to define, define what engagement is and then design your plan to, to meet those goals, right? So if I define it and I design it, then I can decide <laughs> how I act within that. Three Ds, really easy. Define, design, and then decide. How, how I'm gonna do that. So number seven was what are the key priorities? Oh, let's just talk about number six, because six is really important right now, right? So right now, under quarantine, under COVID, like what, like what are the communication? Like you can't over communicate, so you have to cascade, you have to cascade communication here. You have to make sure that it's one voice, right? One voice, you know, talking and, and having conversations. And if you're not sure about answers, you know, you don't just throw your opinion out there. You, you know, you say, hey, we're working on this, or we have a committee towards this, or I'm not really sure, let me get back to you, you know, on those pieces. But the board should be, I believe every board should have some sort of like state of the union, like the end of the year, there should be some sort of report that answers a lot of these questions. And I could give to any stakeholder and show that yes, we're in a better place. Or right, here's, here's our return to school committee, or here's our return to school task force. And here's all the things that they are doing. And I've got the parameters in that, 
in that folder if you would like a copy of it. It's yours, you take it, okay? So what end of the year communication should occur? I believe it should be some sort of state of the charter, you know, something like that effect. Uh, right now, since everybody's on Zoom and social media, you could have a town hall, you could do a Facebook Live, you could do some really fun things to really inform uh, your people, right? Uh, create security and safety. And as a matter of fact, like I think we're in a great spot to leverage uh, higher enrollment because you could, you could really own the space in terms of communication and turning fast and having different ways for kids to get engaged and enrolled uh, in your school if you choose, right? If that, if that meets your education planning and your mission. Number seven, what are the key priorities the management team will be working on to improve over the summer? So I want to know that our executive director head of school has been working because they should have been working on this months ago. So whether under COVID or not, like the, the, at the turn of the calendar year is when leaders should be starting to think forward, right? So I want to know at that June meeting, hey, you don't have to give me how you're going to make the sausage, but what are going to be the key ingredients? You know, what are the two or three things that you're looking at based upon this year? And that's an easy conversation if I've been getting data on a monthly basis or even quarterly basis. But if I have not been receiving updated, tangible information on whether or not the organization is moving in the right direction, that's probably going to be hard for some leaders. And that's your first sign. That's your first sign that you're probably not in a very good spot. Right? The first sign of a failing school is, is late <laughs> or inaccurate reporting. Everybody should write that down. <laughs> if, if someone has asked for something and they know, say, oh, I didn't get a chance to do it, or for some reason that there's no budget at the board meeting, and if they try blaming some third-party organization because they don't have their budget, mm -mm, unacceptable. If you're contracting with somebody, you have to, you know, tell them, you say, hey, look, this is when our board meeting is. What, what's the best financial information you can give us a week in advance of our board meeting so we have the best information to make decisions? Okay. So what are the key priorities the management team is going to be focused on? And right now, everybody's key priority should be, number one, human resources, okay, taking care of your people making sure that they're not you know, getting lost in isolation and they're feeling good about their job and safety and security. Two should be building out this return to school team and really, really focusing on what, what a hybrid education plan will look like and how we're gonna to continue to, to get better at remote learning because it's probably not gonna be the last time that we're gonna to have to do this, right? So how are we going to be adjusting? making sure that student enrollment is at 110% capacity. <laughs> I really say 150% if you can get there, not that you let them all in, but you want a 50% wait list for every grade level if you can get it. Okay, so what are those priorities? And everything can't be a priority. That means you don't have any priorities at all. So, so far, if I capture this, are we a better organization? Did students learn this year? The incoming talent, how are we gonna utilize them effectively are we becoming safer are we up and present with the times are we communicating effectively does everybody know our current reality and where we're headed and what are we going to focus on first next year number eight did we invest in our people over the past year now 
one of your budget line items should be professional development. I mean, your, your most, your most precious asset in your organization is your people, right? If you want happy clients, if you want happy students and happy families, guess who you have to please first? <laughs> the people who work there because they're the ones carrying it out, right? So what, what type of culture are we uh, creating, right? So, so what, what um, you know, how's our teacher working condition surveys over the last couple of years? You know, did you do any 360s? Are you getting some feedback to know how well we're doing? You know, what's our teacher attrition rate? You know, are we losing good staff? Do we have a lot of really good incoming people here? And, and are we investing in them? Most organizations, if you look at their budget, their water and sewer line is way higher than their professional development line. That's horrible. That's not the way that we should be. So Gwen, you got a question, who on the board typically does HR like human resources? So nobody in the board would do HR because it's a management job. You may have an HR expert to oversee that part. Uh, you may contract out, you know, maybe somebody can come in and do some of that work. Um, but you really, you know, charter schools, I think are at a big disadvantage here, you know, potentially. And I think HR is where they make a lot of mistakes because it's just not something that a lot of people are experts in, right? Unless you go out and pay for it. So if you don't invest in, in, in a third party contractor to make sure that you're you know, minimizing risk and making good decisions, I mean, you're, you're probably you know, potentially in danger because I think you know, charter school leaders just make bad decisions sometimes because they just don't know. Uh, so I would recommend that a board have either an annual audit right? Or, you know, training uh, for their entire management team to make sure that they understand good HR practices. We just did a webinar a couple of weeks ago on hiring steps, right? So you can improve your hiring steps and make sure you got all them in place and improve your questions every year. There should be, like, I would want to know as a board member that there's been some sort of like reflection on the hiring and how did it work and the people that are leaving. Okay, I understand people leave, it's transient, but you know, don't just give me that everybody's moving because I don't agree with that. So sometimes a third party exit, you know, um, exit uh, interview is always good to get some data there, uh, climate surveys. Um, so I would recommend that the board doesn't do it per se, but they have someone who understands it so they can guide that, you know, direction. Does that, does that help at all? There's a question, should the principal conduct a survey to find out what professional development training teachers would like or should be based upon student data or teacher performance? I really think both. I, th <laughs> I think this, <laughs> as a trainer, as a trainer and consultant and coach, I, I see this happen a lot, that a principal will hire us to provide training to the staff without ever communicating the goals of the training, why we're having the training. And so then as, an, so then as a result, the staff already comes into the training with a little bit of, you know, like their backup, right? Like we already know everything about this or we know about this or we're great at this. So I think it's, it's really important to be a collaborative experience. Uh, it'd be a great job for like a school improvement, you know, team or committee. Um, so what I would do is I would do this is I would combine the, um, all the teacher observations and evaluations that I did, and I would pull out like the themes, like what were the themes that we saw that we needed? I would look at student discipline data, and I would be like, okay, what were the themes of our discipline issues? 
And then I would be thinking about where's the school going, right? What are my sh short and long-term goals and what are the gaps? And I think that's how I would probably create my professional development plan, which would be a bottom-up experience, not top-down. <laughs> Unless the school's, you know, hemorrhaging and it's really in bad shape and like the leader's just gonna come in and do their thing. Um, but otherwise, to create a healthier culture, you have to coach your people and to coach your people into a higher level of awareness that they're not, you know, they're not performing. Because again, results don't lie. Does that help? So as a board, right, that's probably one of the questions, right? Well, I mean, I have a, you know, did we invest and did we retain our best employees? Maybe I, that's, that's a really good thing. Maybe in that priorities question is about what are our priorities for professional development? Like, you know, I know in our, I think I put it in there, in our CFO, our five steps to like effective budgeting, that's one of the parts is, is, is about exceptional children and at-risk uh, children. So starting to look at September and October of the start of the school year, like how much is our EC enrollment growing? How many students do we have on the NTSS, you know, train coming to us? Uh, how did our at-risk, you know, jump? Did it increase, decrease, or ESL? And then start to look at, you know, budgeting for the future years, that type of professional development, right? Because if you're not repairing on the front end, I'm sorry, if you're not preparing on the front end, you'll be repairing on the back end. <laughs> so. Awesome. All right. Okay. So where am I? It's, uh, do, did we invest in our people? Okay. So what question during the year? Oh, here we go. What question during the year was I afraid to ask in open session? What question during the school year was I afraid to ask during open session? And do I have those answers yet? You know, sometimes, you know, a board member's job is to ask questions. However, not everybody likes to receive questions <laughs> because if there's not trust, right? If there's not trust, then we're gonna have a problem because every time that I ask a question, you're going to assume that I'm questioning your ability to do the job. But I might just be asking questions for more information, right? If anybody on here is taking one of our DISCA personality profiles, there are certain styles that need clarity, you know, that competent, cautious, you know, C style, that's what they do. And I have to know that people on my board, right, are gonna ask me questions. So here's what I did. When I was the executive director of a couple of schools at one time, you know, we had one board, but multiple schools, I would um, prepare all the board meeting information a week in advance. It would go out to the entire board a week in advance. And um, I would reach out to every board member to make sure that they got it. And then I would say, hey, can we get on a call for 15 minutes? Because I want to make sure that I've answered all of your questions or maybe what other questions do you have? And if they hadn't read it, I'd say, okay, well, when can you get to it? Because again, I want to make sure that when we get into the meeting, like, I don't, I don't want to be caught by surprise. Like, I don't want some, you know, it's just not good, right? So I wanted to make sure, so I learned over time, I learned over time to amend my board reports, my organizational reports to the, to, to the personality styles and the types of questions that my board typically asked me. And that's communicating on their agenda, not mine, right? So 
I had to put my ego aside, which is giant. Gwen knows that, right? It's so big. Like it had to, it needed a bulldozer, you know, to move it. And I was like, what, what types of questions do you want answered? Right. And that was maybe the best conversation. Thanks, Gwen. That was one of the best conversations that I ever had as a board chair with our executive director was the first couple of meetings with her as our leader. We would stop at the end of every meeting and say, okay, um, what types of questions came up, right? What, you know, questions, you know, like what do we think the ED should be telling us compared to what she is telling us? Because sometimes I think, you know, a principal is just tell too much information. And they need to ask the board, like what types of information do you want reported on and how often? And, and if, if you're part of our Navigate program, we've got that um, uh, strategic outcomes, you know, based calendar where it tells me every month, like these are the things, you know, so three times a year, I'm going to get a deep dive academics. Three times a year, I'm going to get a deep dive finances. I'm going to get twice a year for my policies. I'm going to do, and you have to map it out, right? You have to, you know, strategically map it out because you can't handle all those hard things at the end of the year. It just gets exhausting. So this particular question, what question during the year was I afraid to ask an open session? You know, questions get curbed because one, we're afraid to ask a question because we don't want to look bad, right? We don't want to look dumb. I don't understand. Or we're afraid to ask a question because we've been kind of shut down in the past or the leader doesn't give us a very good answer or they don't listen or whatever it may be. But asking questions is the most important and powerful you know, you know, part that a board member should do. So you should never be afraid to ask important questions. It's your job. It's your job to ask questions and be really curious because your questions are going to drive to better results. And number 10, what would we do if the school leader was offered a new job over the summer? <laughs> are we building a succession plan? Right? How do we know that this leader has been developing the leaders around them? to take over the school, you know? Or have we been, you know, have we been building a relationship with that leader throughout this school year to ensure that, you know, we would know or this wouldn't happen or we're taking good care of them and they wanna stay? Because people don't quit organizations, people quit people. So if we lost a leader, like what would we do? So to make sure that there's succession planning, and honestly, there should also be succession planning for every board member. And that was one of the big things that I put in place when I was a board chair is that we would all recruit and mentor our um, successor. So uh, the young lady who was my vice chair for two years, she became, she became chair this uh, past year. Right? And we've really tried to work on that model to make sure our officers are mentoring board members coming up. And your future board members should be sitting on your standing committees. They, that's where they should start. You know, you recruit them in your standing committees and you keep on you know, grooming them and getting them ready, get them on the board. So then they're, you know, like effective board members and, and you have them for, you know, five to six, sometimes nine years if they serve on a committee and stay that whole time. So those were my 10, my 10 questions. So are we in a better spot a year from now, right? From, from, from when I started, did kids learn? How do I know? How are we going to utilize the skills of these new board members coming on, right? Do we have an orientation plan in place? What can we do to strengthen the school's uh, safety plans? 
what tangible data is you know telling me that we're that we're you know closer to reaching our goals how are we going to be communicating in the end of the year to all of our staff and families what are the key priorities we're going to work on for next year did we take care of our people this year in terms of investment are they all better like are we building leadership capacity did we retain our best employees what question this year was i afraid to ask <laughs> and do i have those answers yet and lastly what would we do if a school leader was offered a new job so are we building transition and succession and the bonus question that i asked myself at the end of my first year was if i am reelected as chair what areas need improvement to build a stronger healthier governance structure and so that leads me to um i'm going to i'm going to see can i do this i'm going to try to share my screen here hope i can do it right so that leads me to in your in your board governance um, five point plan. This was one of the things that I specifically pointed out uh, that needed to happen. So hopefully this shares the right thing. So if you are on something where you can see my screen, do you see this charter school board five point plan? Is that is that what's showing up? Perfect. Okay. So on page, uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. So, so this is just a really good actual governance document that I made, and I'm saying it's good because I made it, so it might be okay, it might be great. But it talks about the board primary roles, the eight roles that they have, what are their main responsibilities, that's at page one, so you can share this with your board if they're not clear. Uh, you know, so, so the first st strategic priority I said under COVID should be to uh, communicate, right? And then, and then uh, set a short and long-term vision for the school. And then number three, the priority is to stay focused on the essential governance work, right? So if you haven't been doing that, um, you could, you know, you could take these steps right here, uh, you know, define your current reality. What were the things that we aim to do at the beginning of the year and where are we? What's still the work to be done? And then create a 30, 60, 90 day plan. So you could still do that this year uh, to be able to, you know, make sure you start the school year. And um, I know at Explorers, where I'm still a board member, like, gosh, so many things just went to the side once COVID hit. You know, we were rewriting our grievance, you know, policies and process, and we were looking at the CEO evaluation and all these other pieces, and it just, it just kind of went away. So, right, so I want to make sure that we, that we get back to that work. And then, and then asking these how well questions, these how well questions are on page, you know, three about organizational health and student outcomes and enrollment. So, this is a really great document for you to share if you're on a board or with a board. And uh, it talks about uh, not only the priority for organizational health, but also budget development and uh, how to create that ad hoc return to school committee. Um, so check that resource out, take it. And also in that folder, I put um, our five steps to effective budgeting, our return to school uh, workbook or like our fully enrolled school workbook, which gives some really good plans for marketing and branding your organization and all those pieces. So um, maybe last but least, I'm going to say this, that, you know, as another school year passes, some of your board members and key staff are going to leave with critical intellectual property, like in their head, right? So part of your job as a board chair is getting it out. Like, Hey, what were all the things that we did this year and has it been codified, you know, somewhere or 
or hey, these staff members that are leaving, can we like have them write down all the systems and processes and make sure we you know grab all the passwords and everything that they have? Um, so you just you just want to ensure that all that great information has been written down and duplicated and instilled into the next members, right? Who are they? Who are they mentoring down? You know, do they have that information? And um, this last you know quote I love it says uh, teams are not strong just because they have strong members. Teams are strong because they learn to navigate through challenging times together. And uh, and if this statement is even half true, you know I can say that our our board really did grow uh, in those two years that I was a board chair, and it you know it's still you know sustaining. But it's a constant battle because you have so much turnover in governance, and that's why your structure uh, needs to be consistent and it needs to be constantly reviewed and all those other pieces. So. Um, so that's, that was, that was the, the notes that I wrote to myself that I found in my journal. Uh, I hope you found those 10 and the bonus questions helpful. And uh, if you have a board that's either struggling uh, or could really use, you know, training, and I believe every board does because I think, look, every charter school that has failed has failed because of the actions or the non-actions of the board. I mean, the board is really responsible for a lot more than they sometimes know and understand. And it doesn't mean that they do the day-to-day, -day, it just means that they ensure. So if your board could use a pick-me-up or just a check-in or an audit, you know, happy to help with that. Uh, and then we've got some online board training programs where we come and do board uh, retreats often and we focus on those three key things. Recruitment for the future, uh, priorities, and really getting your structure and your meetings into a better place. Um, so let me so let me just share with that. I shared very slightly. If anybody's interested in in how to how to prepare for an effective meeting, you know, you know, you gotta you gotta start with the end in mind. So if your board meetings are on the last Tuesday of the month, then that means the third Tuesday of the month, I need everybody's information, right? I gotta have all the committee reports and whatever else in one place. And we use Board on Track at Explorer, so it really has made a really easy process. And if you want to learn about, more about Board on Track, and you know, we're, we're one of the consultants for them. I'm happy to help you with that. It's a really great product. But everything comes in to that Board on Track, and then, and then an email comes out that you know, sends you know, to the board, hey, the meeting's a week away. Here's all, here's all your reports. Here's the agenda. Here's everything. So I hear what you're saying. It's like, how do you get all that done and in place ahead of time? Well. At the end of every board meeting is when we drafted the next board meeting agenda. So the last five to 10 minutes of every board meeting, we would go say, hey, what happened during this meeting? That needs to be addressed next month. And we'd write that down. And then we'd look at our strategic calendar, say, okay, what's big next month? Is there something on there? Okay, great. Hey, finance, you've got a report. Hey, the academic excellence, you guys are coming in, right? And then so, 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 so we had this you know, draft. And then within a day, not more than two, I would get with the executive director and we'd have a one-on-one -on -one and just talk about what went well at the board meeting, how does it need to get better, and let's, let's get the rest of this agenda you know, straightened out. So she would work through it and we'd have a draft the agenda and we'd send it out to the whole board to kind of what else might need to be on here. And we'd ask for you know, feedback within a week. So gosh, I mean, two weeks prior to the board meeting, at the most, the board agenda was set. 
Uh, we would send a reminder out to every uh, committee to have your reports in the portal. So this might be at your school, like somebody maybe gathers it all. I would not have seven different emails coming from seven different people the best, you know, prepare for the board meeting. I think that's absolute chaos and just a bad idea. So have one specific person be in charge of collecting everything and sending one email out directly to the board um, and, and uh, say, hey, here's all the information. Make sure that you read it. And, you know, the board has to hold themselves accountable for being prepared for the board meeting. And uh, I always told my executive director, like, you don't need to read us any report. Like, it's our job to read it. If you want to take five minutes and uh, give us the high point and just, you know, say, hey, this is action or this is discussion. We just need to know what it is you want from us at this meeting. It took a little while, but we've been there for a couple of years now. And our board meetings, you know, unless there's something really down and dirty at the board meeting, it, they don't go more than 90 minutes. They're pretty streamlined and, and they're focused on the right things for the most part. Sometimes we get a little off track, but as your school gets older, it should be more focused on the future. You shouldn't have a lot of present stuff because that's what you pay management to do. So if you got the checks and balances in place and the executive director is providing you a, a monthly report, you know, focused on those things and you're, you know, trust but verify, but you're checking on them and everything, then you're good to go. And if you don't have a good executive director report, I'll send you my uh, template. Uh, you can email me at tom at lbleaders.com. I'm happy to send you what we use or we recommend schools to. So that's probably, there's a, there's a whole you know, training that, that we've done on it and I can include that um, when I send this replay out if you wanna share it with your board members to get better. So it really saves time and you wanna make sure that your board meeting agenda is focused on the priorities, not more than one or two hard things. If there was too many hard things, I'd be like, what's the most important ones? Because we can't have you know, board members addressing three or four major issues after they've just worked a full-time you know, day. That's, that's terrible, terrible planning. Um, sometimes it happens, but it should not happen. And so keep it on the priorities, keep those like front of the, you know, the front of front end of the board meeting rituals, like as short as possible, you know, some boards have the teacher report or the PTO report. You just want to keep them short. You want to, you want your board members fresh and focused on the right things. The last thing you want to do is start a really important million dollar decision at eight o'clock at night. <laughs> it's just not effective. It's just not effective. So awesome. Well, let me know if this was helpful. Let's see, uh, oh, is there a book I can read to increase my knowledge on how to create a succession plan? Um, yeah, so here's, here's what John Maxwell says. He says that, uh, he says every day, right? Every day you should be looking at your daily work list, what you do, and you should be consistently identifying strengths in other people and based upon their strengths and their interest of where they want to be, you should be teaching them how to do it. Because ultimately what you want to do is you want to build someone who can easily replace you. Because if you become too valuable in a position, sometimes you can get stuck. So the more you mentor other people, the more you develop them, the leaders around you. So there is that book, you know, developing the leaders around you, Maxine, would be good. Uh, that then you can start that, you know, succession planning. Uh, and there's a, there's, a, um, there's a John Maxwell lesson as well on, on uh, succession planning that's in our online access um, as well that I've been meaning to pull that out and, and do a training uh, for a charter school. So maybe I'll 
I'll pull that out. Maybe it's something we could do together. So that'd be fun. So, all right. Yep. So succession is important. Where, where's checks and balances for the, where's the checks and balances for the board? Okay. So are you asking like, what are the trust and verification processes, you know, basically? So if that's what you're asking about checks and balances and trust, trust, but verify, I would. Okay. So that starts at the beginning of the year when you asked a question, what are our goals and what tangible evidences can you provide to us and how often um, that lets us know that we're making progress, right? To ensure that they're holding their end of the, yeah. Yep. Um, so checks and balances for actual board members is, uh, should be a little bit different. So are you asking about board members? Are you asking about management? So I'll answer both. So the checks and balances of the leadership is that, you know, they're providing reports on time, they're accurate and they're timely. And as a board member, you can, you know, clearly, I mean, you can check with DPI, right? You've got the performance framework. You've got the teacher's working condition survey. You could do your own 360 surveys to make sure like, is the information we're getting aligning to like maybe this third party stuff that we're getting, right? Or these, you know, behind the channel, you know, communications that, you know, you know we're hearing. And, and so you want to make sure everything aligns up. In terms of the board members are doing their job, that's a great one. Okay, so every board should have a, um, a roles and responsibilities or an expectations agreement. I know on our board we have one. And so we go over those expectations and it's part of our recruitment process, it's part of our orientation process, and then we have this like pretty big orientation process, which has actually eliminated, you know, board members, unfortunately, because um, that means we didn't do a good job vetting and communicating on a front end, right? So I, on the very front end, we're very clear about how many hours you're going to probably need to provide. We are, we are specifically bringing you on the board to address this challenge and problem that we have. So we're going to put them in charge of something that's in their strength and skill zone. Then every single month, you know, we have responsibility to, um, you know, in ours, it's to be in person 80% of the time. It's to be prepared for meetings. It's to lead a committee. It's to lead or be on a committee. It's, you know, it's all these checks and balances that we have, Gwen. Um, and then it's two part accountability. It's number one, self accountability, right? We just say, if you can't do the work, you need to resign because you're not showing up, right? You're not meeting these expectations. And so that could come from the board chair. It'd be great if it just kind of came from everybody, right? We just constantly had this conversation. If it doesn't, and I know what you're about to ask me, uh, if the board chair is the problem, uh, that's even a bigger problem, right? Uh, bylaws are written specifically to allow any board member to create an emergency meeting, right? Or to have a conversation about the competency of, of a board member, of a fellow board member. And so this has happened before. And I've been part of these conversations where, you know, board members didn't think that other board members were doing their job. And we had to have kind of that come to, come to, come to accountability meeting, <laughs> come to Jesus meeting, right? So say, here's what you agreed to, right? But if I don't have those agreements up front, right? So we have an agreement for the officer and we have an agreement for a board member and we could just say like, you're only showing up half the time or, 
or you're late or you're not doing your duties or, you know, whatever else and say, just like, this is what you agreed to, but here's, here's the behavior we see. So help us understand, like, can you be on this board or not? If you can't like, let us know, we need to start making a plan uh, to get there. So if you don't have the defined expectations up front, you're, you're an incredible classroom teacher, right? You know, this expectations clearly communicated, right? Any expectation not communicated is just a thought. So I, I, define what I want to see. <laughs> I design the structure to get there. And I let, you know, people uh, decide how they're going to behave. And if they don't follow it, then I have to make a decision of whether or not to have that conversation with that person or not. So that's where it starts. Um, there's a lot of governance cultures that are really bad. And it's just because that's the way that they've you know, grown up and happened or that's leadership, right? It usually takes a good board, you know, member or two to build the awareness and to make change. Um, and I have some examples of those roles and responsibility sheets, right? Or um, agreements, if anybody's interested, happy to share. And, uh, but it's, it starts with that conversation, but it has to be part of everything you do. It just has to be from the get-go. This is what we expect of our board members. Um, so if the expectation is that they, you know, attend after school events, it should be on that sheet. If the expectation is that they're part of raising money, I think ours says that the school is in their top three, you know, of what they give to. Yeah, I, you know, we try to be a little bit of flexible with it. 80% attendance. Um, we've got a pretty big board. We've got 15 board members. So we're pretty good with attendance. I'd say we're not, you know, I don't know if we've had any of those conversations lately though, so. Is that helpful? Yeah, good, okay, yeah, we can speak offline about it if you need. So, okay, perfect, well, this was fun. <laughs> I like reading that, I'm glad I found that sheet. I'm glad I opened that book up. And uh, there's probably some good opportunities you know, coming out of this. So just like Maxine said, I think you can use these 10 uh, questions anywhere. So I will, I will also send you the 10 uh, questions. So I'm gonna put them in as a blog anyway. Uh, so I'll make sure that you get the blog, that plus these other resources and anything else that you need. So. Again, Tom Miller here from Leaders Building Leaders. You can you know, find out more about what we do at lbleaders.com. And uh, such a pleasure to spend time with all of you. Be safe. Go get some family time. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.